Welcome back to another episode of the Odds Checker podcast. This one is a special one. It's just me and Andy holding the person who everyone wants to hear his views ahead of Royal Ascot. Uh, we've got so much to get through. We're going to get straight into it. A quick disclaimer to start with. We are recording this on Thursday before Ascot week. So if there are any horses that have come out in the meantime, there's nothing we can do about that. But we're going to try and give you a pretty in-depth tipping review or preview of Ascot week. And we're going to start... On the Tuesday, as everyone should, with the Queen Anne, Andy, it looks an interesting one. Rhododendron, the favourite, three to one. That's a black type. Um, ben Battlin and Recolatus at six to one. Lightning Spear, eight to one. Sixteen to one bar. Yeah, I mean, it's a great start to the meeting, isn't it? Traditionally, um, Ascot starts with a bang, you know, straight in there with a grade, uh, grade one or group one. And um, it's a race with a real rich tradition. And now Brian's got a good record in it. And he's likely to have the favourite this year uh, in the shape of Rhododendron, courtesy of that victory, of course, in the Lockinge at Newbury. Uh, doing it in pretty tidy fashion in the end, even though she was challenged quite strongly by uh, Lightning Spear. You know, we know that she has got big race uh, temperaments, credentials. Ground looks like being ideal. Like I said, a week, or just uh, short of a week in advance, it looks like being decent ground, good to firm, which is ideal for her. The one thing we don't know about is the draw. Um, that could play a significant factor. I think there's going to be quite a big field this year, an untraditionally big field. Uh, we're looking at probably 12 or more runners, so I think where you're drawn is the final piece in the jigsaw. And there's likely to be a strongly run race as well, because as there was in the Lockinge, um, Ballydor used a foot soldier in, in the shape of Deauville to make sure there was a strong pace, and Deauville is one of the entries as well. Um, so and I, I do think she's, she's the right favourite because she's run the white trial, but... I think she was very advantageously drawn that day. You, you needed to be where Dover was down the middle. All the big players that were drawn high, your Adiebs, your Limatos, never really got into the race because they were drawn at the stand so around. So yes, he was visually impressive, but I do think this race, uh, because it's probably on a more level playing field with the draw, uh, just offers a little bit more with the way she's, she's got to improve again to win it. And I do think there are other value bets in the field. Um, so, um, sorry, that's one more I just didn't cut. If you could just yeah. speak a all right. Like, what we'll do is we move the yeah, so we're so yeah. facing me in front. Yeah. Because it was just sorry. Wasn't it picking up properly? No, it was just obviously because you were talking again, it was just you were uh, right, yeah, 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 I mean, he won a very good race over in Maidan, his final race uh, of the carnival. Um, he, he won that Marm 1, Grade 1, in spectacular fashion. And we know he's got Royal Ascot form. Of course, he won the Hampton Court last year, which is a mile and a quarter. But they finally realised that he's a miler. And a strongly run mile would definitely suit him. Stiff up, he'll finish, because he gets further. And I think that's another important point. You need horses that get the trick really well, um, given that the races like to be run at a strong pace. You'd love to see Lightning Spear run well. Uh, he's... My favourite horse in training. He's, so. a, he's just a fantastic horse. You can set your clock by him in these races. Yeah. He's always on the fringes. Whether he'll actually be good enough to go and win a race like this is obviously open to question. Um, but yeah, he ran well in the lock-ins and I'm sure that you can almost rate the race r- around him. And he's, he's one for your play spots and your each way, um, gritty each ways as you would call it. One <laughs> um, at a big price, I'll just throw him into the mix as well because I thought he ran really well against the track bias at Newbury in the lock-ins. 
And that's accidental agents. I mean, we're looking at around about 25, 33 to 1 for this fella. 40 to 1 with bet 365. 40 to 1's a big price. He could have done with the drop of rain. He's probably better with a little bit of juice in the ground. I don't think they're going to get that, unfortunately. Um, but it, yeah, like I say, he, he ran really well um, against the bars. He, came at the, he was the only one that came at the stand side in the lock and made ground in the latter stages. Um, you know, he's run well at Ascot loads of times before. Like I say, looking at one, if you're looking for something that is away from the obvious, and I think I've mentioned most of them other than the French horse, which, to be fair, I don't know a great deal about. Um, he would be one I'd be looking at at a huge price. But I think Ben Battle, as we speak, on the Thursday before the meeting, looks at each way value around about 5-6-1. So accidental agent, form figures at Ascot. Last three runs, 1-4-3. That's best piece of 16-1, and 2-1. So you can see why Andy may think that uh, Eve Johnson Horton's horse will outrun um, his price. Uh, the other two you mentioned, Lightning Spear is 8 to 1. Best price for Labrooks and Coral and Ben Battle, which seems to be the tip coming out of here. Best price 6 to 1 with Boyle Sports. Breathless, we move on onto on the Coventry now. And before I speak to Andy, uh, we called up with Odds Checker Ambassador Tom Markwind and we kicked off our quick chat with him to talk about this race where his boss, Richard Hannon, has a couple of interesting runners at a big price. Ambassador jockey Tom Markwind, retained by, by Richard Hannon. Obviously, a lot of live hopes going into the week. Yeah, um, you know, obviously we've got we've got plenty aiming there. Um, I think yet yet to decide on quite a few of them what their targets are going to be. Um, as obviously we've got we've got plenty of nice ones to sort of aim at the separate races. Um, so it's sort of quite a quite a tricky decision deciding which to separate and and which to which to run against each other in which races. So. Yeah, so you mean one? We just spoke off air briefly. I mean, we'll, we'll talk about the, the horses. You definitely know you're going to ride in a sec, but it's interesting looking at the Coventry straight away with two. I mean, they're bigger prices, but two really interesting runners for for, for Richard Haddon in the Paddocks, who you rode to victory um, in his first run, and Fox Champion as well, who I know you've sat on before. Two interesting runners there. Yeah, very. Um, obviously, the Paddocks sort of went one better than Fox Champion, but I don't think I don't think Fox Champion lost anything in the feet at Doncaster. I've had a few sits on him at home. He, he feels like he's come on for the run at time. Um, look, he's a lovely, lovely horse, and he's got plenty of gears, which, which you know, should set him up nicely for a for a big race like that. Equally, very similarly with the paddocks, he was he was lucky to be on the other side of a photo finish. The horse champion was, um, and you know, he showed that day that he was a he was a real hard hardy little animal. Um, I'd say he's actually quite a quite a good size, nice, strong individual, um, and you know we've always liked him at home. Again, he showed plenty of speed that day, and he's come on a hell of a lot for the run. I actually sat him yesterday, um, so no, we're really really happy with both of them going in, and you know they're, they're, they're both entitled to come on a massive amount for, for their first runs, and going into Ascot, I think that puts them in a really good place. Interesting speaking to you about that because they both look like really interesting runners at big prices as well. The, the Paddocks is 33 to 1. That's best price with Bet Victor and Fox Champion, a massive 40 to 1. Um, that's around with Bet365, uh, Bet Fair Sports, but Paddy Power. And you can imagine if he'd finished a nose further forward and, and got on the right side of that photo finish, that he'd probably be half the price, which doesn't really make much sense at all. Um, exactly. And, you know, it's something, it's something that, you know, he lost by a nose. Um, Sean Levy rode him. Uh, I mean, obviously, we, we, we don't like to really knock our horses out first time because there's a future with them. Um, so he didn't have an overly hard time that day. He was he was on the unlucky side of a head bobber. And, you know, he, as I said before, he lost nothing in defeat. And, uh, you know, 
the paddocks was lucky to be on the right side of the photo finish. So he's a fraction shorter and Fox Champions a bit bigger just because he got beat by half an inch. Um, so, no, I'd be, I'd be very interested in both of them going forward. They're very nice horses. A horse that, another horse that you, you're, you're set to ride in another race, uh, trainer Alan King, a Scarlet Dragon, obviously finishing behind, uh, you know, in Crystal Ocean, one of the stars going into Ascot. Uh, what, what can you tell us about Scarlet Dragon? Yeah, he's, uh, I mean, first of all, he's been a cracking horse throughout the, the whole way through. Um, he was the last winner on my claim, and I've been lucky enough to win on him a couple of times. Um, he's gone to Alan King's now, and... You know, he relaxed really well the other week. Um, I, was, I was really pleased with that as a sort of reappearance around the flat. Um, I think jumping's probably actually made him sort of mature a little bit and uh, and, and it switched him off a lot. So, I mean, I'd, he's, he's another horse I'd be extremely happy with going into Ascot with form like that. Um, you know, we were beaten quite away, but Crystal Ocean, as you say, he's one, of the, he's one of the stars to sort of look forward to for Ascot. So I think... He lost nothing in defeat and, and showed us everything that we wanted to see. So Scarlet Dragon there, presumably going for the Wolferton, um, and is currently, get a price for everyone, I think about 25, 33 to 1 with Paddy Power for Scarlet Dragon. Who else, who else are you set to ride, Tom? Um, I mean, who does wins is, is supposed to be going, um, but he's going to be ground dependent. Um, you know, he, he's off the back of a massive run in the chest and cut. Um, obviously, then, then the form has been thoroughly backed up by uh, by Magic Circle, Liam Williams, is, which is only a bonus for him going forward. Um, and yeah, hopefully, you know, hopefully we can get a bit of rain and the ground loosens up, um, and it will, yeah, it will have the ground right for him. He's a cracking animal, and again, I've had a, I've had a lot of luck with him throughout throughout the last couple of years. So. Uh, it's uh, it's it's nice going forward with, with a couple of nice horses for the same races. Absolutely, I mean you won on him on, on ninety three last time. Now for hundred, going for the Ascot uh, the Ascot Stakes, about around about the ten to one mark he is there. Um, looking back to, to, to Richard Hannon's horses, maybe you could shed some more light on, on a couple of interesting runners there. Uh, Raymond Tusk, uh, one that you you won on first time out in, in impressive fashion. Uh, you know went off at eleven to one, but won by four and a half lengths at Newbury. Uh, back in April. What can you tell us about Raymond Tusk? Yeah, um, I mean, he's a horse we've always extremely liked. Uh, he, was a, he was a massive, he's a massive horse, um, and he just took a bit more time to come to himself. So, you know, they, they took the time with him, had the patience to wait, and, uh, and it paid off. Obviously, that, that first run was exceptional um, to, to come out and, and win like that. Uh, we were hoping for a big run, but we weren't. I couldn't say we were uh, we were confident he was going to win like that. Um, and he, you know, he beat he beat a nice horse, and he's amazing with Clyde Coxes who came out and and won at Newmarket next time out, and he ran he ran nicely in the um, oh, the Silver Cup here at Newbury. I rode him uh, the start after he won, and he ran nicely again. He finished just up, the, up behind the leaders uh, in a race not run to suit. So you know the form the form of that race is very solid. You know, similarly, like, you know, looks very, very exciting and on paper. That twenty-five to one around with Skybet, Betfair, and Paddy Power does it very interesting indeed. Uh, you can probably tap into my mindset where I think that Richard could be having a very good ascot indeed at some big prices. Uh, anyone else we should look out for? Um, I mean, I, I'm a big fan of Come On Left first time out um, at Ascot, and again, I think I think that was a very, very nice race. 
Um, she finished third, and you know, not everything quite fell right for that day. Um, she came out and and absolutely took a field apart at uh, at Windsor, and she she's going to go for the Queen Mary, um, which I think was a well, it was a target before she even ran first time. So you know, it's nice nice to have a filly to sort of back up what we thought in the first place. And you know, you mentioned the you know the come on Leicester's maiden. Me and you have spoken about it before, and that looks like a really really impressive. Um, race on paper, and, and you look at what's happened to the horses that finished finished ahead uh, in that first race. Um, I think it was Queen of Bermuda came um, second. Yeah, she won at Windsor. She bolted up at Windsor last then, time. She actually she actually beat me um, on a horse we quite liked. <laughs> um, we were we were sort of mid div in the field. So I mean, yeah, again the forms the forms have been backed up, and you know on on the day we knew that Ascot race was nice as soon as it had been run, and now it's nice to sort of. The horses have been coming out and running well from it and, and winning. So, yeah, it's, uh, it's sort of backed up what we thought, which is, which is always good. What would that make you think of, uh, of Shades of Blue, who hasn't run since that race, the, the winner, Clive Cox is? Um, I, I, look, obviously the horse was impressive that day. Um, you know, I, he, he, got, he got the best run through that day. Um, he probably had the nicest, nicest position in the race for, for a first-time out horse, just getting dragged in into it nicely with a lead and then able to take it up coming down to the furlong pole um you know in an ideal world that's what we'd have done you know on another day that they meet i'm i wouldn't like to sort of say who would who i thought would win really because i think it'd be a a fairly evenly matched our filly's had another run now obviously she's got a bit more experience under her belt and yeah going forward i think uh i think it might if they were to clash it might be a fairly tight one so come on, Lester, they're going for the Queen Mary. No, no prices there as of yet, but keep an eye out. Um, thanks a lot for speaking to us, Tom. And, and obviously, we all wish you the best of luck at Royal Ascot and hope, hope for a few winners. Brilliant. Thanks, man. So there you had Tom telling us about a couple of runners in the Coventry, then a few more, a couple of, a couple of his rides for Alan King, and then a couple more that Richard Hannon, his boss, has got running through the week. We'll come back to the Coventry now, though. And Andy, this looks like a cracking renewal of this race. Yeah, it does. I think this is probably one of the most eagerly waited races for myself all week this in the Commonwealth Cup of the two races I've got a strong opinion on certainly from an anti-post perspective um, I've had a bet in this race I've put up advertised I don't know if you remember but uh, several weeks ago I, I did a preview of this race and I just thought he was a smidgen of value uh, Martin Mead's charge I was really taken with his performance first time out at Newbury um, we're talking about the lock engine the first race the Queen Anne and the effect of the draw and what it had on certain horses and advertised was the only horse in that two-day Newbury meeting um, back in May who managed to win coming up the standside rail. And for a two-year-old to do that first time out, he's obviously got to be seriously good. So I've basically just been monitoring the form and the horses that ran um, behind him that day. And I've seen they've got on to see whether my notion, my theory of the race being a good one was proven correct. Like I said, the back-end sectionals were really good for the race. Um, and so far, that, that race hasn't let me down. Burge, who was third, went on to win at Wolverhampton next time out. Alfie Solomon, who was fourth, won at Newcastle. Um, the horse that finished fifth ran second at Ripon. Literally everything out of that race behind Advertise has told me that we're dealing with a decent two-year-old race here. And the fact that Advertise beat all those horses I've just mentioned on the slowest part of the yeah. track and he was last with three furlongs to run, I think we, we pretty much can tell the kind of like affection I've got um, about this horse. And 
you know, Martin Mead, when he's got a good horse in, in his mitts, he, he's, he knows what he's doing. Wilhelmina of late, of course, eminent last year and, and acclaim as we go yeah. back a little bit further in time. And I just like the way this horse went through that race. He's got a lovely physique. Um, and I think he could be the surprise package of the race. Like, like Roger Singh was last year, winner of a maiden yep. in a good time figure. The race worked out. He came to the Coventry and won. Yes, there is more sexier horses in the race, I agree, uh, like your Sergei Prokofievs and, and obviously Kalix, who is now the only representative from John Gosden, and unfortunately we've lost Legends of War, who was an impressive winner at Yarmouth. Um, but at the prices, you can still get 16 to 1 for, for advertise, even though I put him up at Advisor 20s. 20s. Yeah. Uh, if he gets a good draw on the day, I'd be very confident of him, like I say, being a, more than a dangerous floater. So you, you, you mentioned a couple of the guys at the top of the market. Sergei uh, Prokofiev, I forgot that right, 5-2 yep. with Betfair. Uh, Kalix, black type, sticking their neck out there at 130. Uh, John Gosden was at the black type um, preview event last night, so maybe something in that. Uh, the Irish Rover, 10-1. to 1, Cosmic Law, 12-1. to 1, And then advertised at 16. Has anyone else, I mean, we heard there Tom saying, well, Tom and myself saying that in Fox Champion, a horse who, if he'd finished a nose further forward, he'd probably be around about the 16-20-1 mark. Is that why in the commentary it could be worth looking at those at the top of the market at the other end of the market because realistically a lot of them just had one run yeah they're very difficult to assess too Oz, in many respects because they are uh, or they haven't had a chance to run well in this kind of race they've only won maidens or they've won little novice events yeah. and often the time figures I wouldn't say don't mean anything but that because they haven't run in this they haven't been able to show what they can do so I think there is a huge amount of potential and a lot of imagination needed to 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 see uh, what could possibly go on and, and as, go forward. As Tom alluded to, they don't often, you know, get knocked around as well first time out. So you don't even know, even know if they're, they're the peak of their abilities first time, let alone when they improve. Well, there's that to contend with. And there's also the other factor as well. They've got to run, you know, in front of 60,000, 70,000 yeah. race fans. Yeah. It's a hullabaloo of a day. There's an electric atmosphere. Um, you know, all the pomp and ceremony that goes with it. There's a lot to take on board for a two-year-old. Um so it is a big ask. You need something with a bomb-proof temperament. I certainly like Sergei Prokofiev. Yes, he's had three runs. His two t- victories um, on his last two runs have been good on the numbers. He, he looks a really special horse. And again, another son of Gat Daddy. Um, but that Calix was really good the other day at Newmark. I can see yeah. why he's been punted. He did a 33 in chain sectional from three out. You don't get many of those in the in the, uh, uh, in the um, coal light a day at, particularly the July meeting as well on the July course because obviously they're running uphill for the last three furlongs um, it takes a good horse to be able to do that and he was the only one that got anywhere near 33 seconds I think 35 seconds was the nearest other section also um, that son of Kingman is obviously you know, following in his dad's footsteps very very talented but I'm happy with him a bit on advertise I could, I could mention like I say six or, or seven yeah, others so, yeah. um, you know Charlie Hill's got a couple of nice horses in there Glory Fight and Mutawafir they've done good figures uh, Vange as well, Richard Fies also did a good figure at Chepstow, at Chester. But I, I'm I'm very keen on advertise. It's, it's the nature of the race, isn't it? They're not going to be here unless they've impressed first up or second up, are they really? So advertise there, Andy's sticking with it, sixteen to one. If you go on the Checker site, you'll be able to see a little little star next to advertise. And if you click on that, you'll see exactly why. Andy, uh, a nice column about advertising about the race that was written a couple of weeks ago. On to the next one, and this looks like a titanic clash in the King's Stand between Lady Aurelia and Batash. If you shop around and you look at the odds checker site, you'll see five to two available with both. Uh, Lady Aurelia is just with William Hill, they are standout five to two. Batash with Bet Stars, Paddy Power, and the Betfair Sportsbook with about ten to one bar. 
what side of the fence are you? I mean, obviously Lady Aurelia last year so, so impressive when maybe a few mm. people didn't expect it. So this year she comes into it as many people's favourites to, to do the job again. Yeah, I mean, you'd, you'd probably have to make a favourite just because... Fucking hell, sorry. You'd have to make a favourite based on uh, performance in the race last year when she was hugely impressive and her overall form at Ascot. You know, she won the Queen Mary the year before and, of course, she's trained by the genius Wesley Ward who's bound to leave no stone unturned with their preparations I watched the video back of her last run at Keeneland um, it wasn't spectacular she finished an honourable second she probably wasn't fully wound up that day I mean it was back in April it's probably taken a while to come to hand but come, come the day rest assured that she'll be bang on to run her very best um, whatever beats Lady Aurelia will probably win it as far as I'm concerned um, but Batash is a serious contender there wasn't a Batash in this race last year and ever since he won the Scurry Stakes at Sandown this time last year mm. He really has improved out of all recognition. As we saw at Haydock, off the back of unbelievably strong factions set by Catchy, um, he managed to wear that Dascombe horse down and win in the end workmanlike rather than spectacular. But he did get the job done. And, you know, this race is really tailor-made for him. He's a stalk and pound source. The faster they go, the better. He's got an unbelievable cruising speed like Lady Aurelia has. I think we're going to get a potential good shootout between the two. You know, the market can hardly split them. The figures say that there's nothing between them. They've both had first-class preparations. Um, and, you know, they've both got good ask form. So, you know, it, they're taking a huge chunk out of the market. You're looking at an odds on, almost odds on, or even money that one of them wins. The way I like, probably would like to play this race, and I don't know whether we'll be able to get this kind of value on the day yet, um, is perhaps to look at that Haydock race and think, well, OK, Batosh won it on the day, but he, he only had a narrow margin ahead of the likes of Washington DC and, and Mabs Cross. And yet those two aforementioned also developed back at 20s and 25 to 1. And I think if you perm those two in a couple of each-way singles, only one of them's got to be in the frame and you make a profit. Yeah. And I'm pretty sure that one of those will be in the frame, given that Mabs Cross has already won the Palace House. Washington DC was a hugely eye-catching horse in that um, Temple Stakes at um, Haydock. Um, and I just think that the two kind of horses, the way the race will be run, it'll be running at a helter-skelter gallop, and they are strong finishers, that one of them will run on into, into the frame. Um, and then, of course, there's always a possibility that, of course, one of them could win and the, the front two in the market blow out. It's it, like I say, it's a horse race, the draw could play an effect that might not be on their A game. So minute little fractions make the difference in these big races, particularly over five furlongs, where you're drawn, where you challenge. Um, and what kind of form your horse is in on the day. So I'm prepared to take a chance on those two, as, as I said, at the time of recording at 20 to 1 and 25 to 1. Well, it's a bit of money for them both, I'm afraid. Washington DC now 16 to 1, oh, that's right. with Coral and uh, Ball Sports, and Maps Cross is 20 to 1 uh, with, with Coral. Um, I mean, I'm, I'm unbelievably excited to, to watch that race, and it does seem like it can be a, a great shootout, but you know me, Andy, I like my each way, so I'll be following you in there. Um, on to the St James Palace Stakes now. When I saw um, John Gosden yesterday was asked uh, whether or not without parole, how without parole ranked amongst uh, the milers, the amazing milers he's had in recent times. And he said very much still a work in progress and can't be compared to the likes of Kingman yet. And then, I think that's, that's, that's fairly obvious. But he does lead the market at three to one. That's with Labrooks, um, Tote Sport, BetStars, BetBright. Uh, tip to win is six to one. Romanized six to one. US Navy flag 13 to two. Gustav Klimt nine to one. Uh, Wooten 10 to 1 and the rest available double figure prices I mean how, how do you approach without parole I mean I, I know without parole on his second start posted some, some very strong time uh, speed figures uh, but I mean how do you assess this, this race going into it I think he's a weak favourite myself um, and what he's actually done on the racetrack so far 
He shouldn't be favourite. Yeah. I think he's our favourite because he is trained by Gosden with Frankie on its sexy connections. And he's very much a talked about horses and he's almost talked his way mm. into favouritism. It's a bit of a hype horse, really. Absolutely, yeah. yeah. But I mean, he has backed it up to a small degree. His time figure at Yarmouth when he won first time was very good for us. Let Duke keep numbers. Uh, he was clearly um, a useful horse to be able to do the time he did that day. And he was workmanlike at Sandown without being spectacular. Um, what you've got to think is, in your mind, where would he have finished in the guineas? Yeah. Um, is he as good as Roaring Lion? Only John Gosden can tell us that. Obviously, Roaring Lion's gone a different path. He, he was you know, trying to win the Craven and then go to the guineas, and he, he didn't quite have the speed. Now he's upped in trip to win yeah. the Dantian, finish an honourable third in the derby. My gut feeling is that he, he probably would have finished in and around where Roaring Lion would have finished. I don't think you know, he's... He's, 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 he's that good at this stage. And with that in mind, I do think Tip to Win is very much the underrated horse in this race by a mile. There's an old adage in this game, and it is a massive cliche, isn't it? If a certain horse was trained by a certain trainer, they would be a lot shorter in yeah, the market. But, I mean, this fits in to that theory uh, perfectly. There's no way this horse should be 6-1. to one. I mean, I think this year's Guineas was a good one. Yes, OK, Saxon Warrior let the form down, you could argue. But look at all the other horses that ran in it. You know, Massar won the derby. Um, Roaring Line was an honourable uh, placed horse in the derby. There's been loads of other horses as well that have come out of the, the guineas and, and run really well subsequently. I think it's a solid piece of form. And tip to win, actually clocked the fastest sectionals in that race from three out. He was a long way off the speed. He was about four or five lengths behind Saxon Warrior with two or three to run. And he's absolutely charged home. I mean, he's a seriously good horse, tip to win. Uh, I think he's, like I say, a lot of people have almost forgotten about him he's, he's the horse under the radar here and I, I still think he'll be underestimated on the day I think there'll be other horses that people look at you know um, and I think they'll be barking up the wrong tree and going in the wrong direction because I think he's the one to be with he's got the best form in the race he looked the best the second best if not close to the best horse in the guineas which was a stellar guineas in my opinion um, and for that reason I think six to one's massive each way the only two horses that have beaten him in, since in his last four runs are Saxon Warrior and Alarcam Alarcam obviously has probably failed to justify the hype that we saw after, after his maiden win but having said that still you know as you say six to one in this company trained by Roger Teal if, we, if he was trained by John Gosden I think we'd be seeing a very very different price um, on to the next one now going through it like like wildfire and we're going to get to the end of Tuesday for the Wolferton um, an interesting race I know you've got some some strong views on yeah, I thought, um, is it Labib, the um, uh, Owen Boro horse? Yeah. I thought he had the right profile for this race. I had a quick look um, at this race yesterday and prior to doing this preview. And I was really impressed with him last season. He went through the ranks. He won here at Ascot. I think it's important. He won over the course and distance so he handles, um, you know, going in and out of Swindley Bottom. He's quite a well-balanced horse for a big horse. And I thought he had a really nice prep the other day up Sandow. Only five runners. He set the fractions that day, but they were very tepid fractions. And in the end, he got beat by Poet's Voice, who's um, a useful horse in his no own right. That, no shame in that at all. I mean, he'd be probably, you know, half seven or eight pound better than him. And, and that's the way the race developed. He got beat by two lengths. But he looked a stuffy, stuffy horse that night. In, in other words, I think he needed the run. I'd say probably Owen's left a little bit of work on him. Um, but I just like the horse. I think he's got still more to come. I think he'll progress like a lot of Owens do over time. Um, he's probably taken a while to fill into his frame, but I haven't seen any prices with this race, but he'd be the one I'd be looking at on the day. Well, you picked out the favourite. Oh, seven to one really? he is. I mean, it's still it's seven, price, seven, yeah, seven to price. one. Yeah. Um, but I think, I mean, someone's been watching over your shoulder because mm. he opened up at 12 to one this morning and, uh, and it is 
blotches of blue on the odd checker grid where people are obviously tucking into that double figure price and he is as short as nine to two uh, with Labrooks and Corals. So that suggests that even that seven to one may not be around for much longer, especially after people get their hands on this podcast. Um, we get through the first day now and into Wednesday with the opener, the Queen Mary. Um, only a couple of firms out at the moment. Chelsea Cloister's the nine to four favourite, just wonderful, four to one. Shades of Blue, very interesting runner at six to one. Yeah, had a chance to look at this much? Yeah, I mean, uh, the Queen Mary's a race that traditionally um, Wesley Ward has hoovered up in recent times. It is very difficult to have a strong view on this race until we know what's running in the Queen Mary and potentially then what runs in the Albany as well because I know Brian's got a couple of nice fillies. He's got Fairyland in there. I think Fairyland's a really smart filly. She's clocked one of my fastest times over in Ireland so far. There's only been a handful of horses in Ireland that have done numbers in accordance to what I'd be looking forward to win at the Royal Ascot meeting and she's one of them. And th- th- there's another horse as well. Um, I'm not sure it's been quoted, but Queen of Bermuda. Yeah. I've been really taken by her, Willie Haggis's filly. I'm not sure whether she goes to the Queen Mary or maybe they might avoid the big guns and go Windsor Castle or, or Norfolk. Um, but her win at Thirst was a good one on the figures. And then she went to Windsor for a graduation stroke novice race and again won in a very good time figure. She's very fast. She's only quite small. She's quite butty. She's not like a big, strong, um, you know... It's almost like precocious through Well, she is precocious. She's not prepossessing two-year-old. That's the word I'm looking for. Um, and I do think she's more of a two-year-old than likely to go through the ranks uh, perhaps next year. Um, but she's got a hell of a lot of speed. Um, she's like a little cold spring. Um, and I'm, like I said, there, there, isn't, there isn't enough extensive betting on, on this race at the moment. The entries aren't through yet to no. have an opinion on what is most likely the opposition. But... Fairyland, if she ran in this, would be interesting, although I do think she'd run in the Albany. But Queen of Bermuda, perhaps hopefully double-figure prices on the day. It's interesting you say about Queen of Bermuda because that's the race that Tom said, spoke to us about. He said he was very keen on Come On Leicester. He finished third in that yep. race. So you've got, and he was saying it seemed, he rode uh, Come On Leicester that day and said it seemed like a very, very strong race indeed. And you've got Shades of Blue in the market, Queen of Bermuda in the market, and Come On Leicester. Yep. Could all three line up and then we'll see just how good that was. Well, we've also got Mark Johnson as well. He's had a fantastic year with these two off fillies and his fillies seem to be better than the Colts. You know, Natalie's Joy, main edition, uh, no lippy. Yeah. Uh, the horse that won yesterday, was it New, New Town or something like that? Um, so, you know, he, he's got an embarrassment to riches in that department. So whatever Mark Johnson ends up running in that race, it's another f- um, factor worth thinking about. But look, I, I, like I say, I haven't seen the decks, they haven't come through yet, but I'll, I'll be hopeful to see the name of Queen of Bermuda down. And if so, then she could possibly be my choice on the day. And she would be the one just looking yesterday. It was New Winds. New Winds. Um, for Mark it, Johnson, yeah. you want to say another one yeah. to keep your eye out on. Um, we'll have a better idea now of who's going to run in the Duke of Cambridge, where Hydrangea is the 11 to 4 favourite, uh, Al Jazi the 7 to 2 second favourite, Wilhelmina 5 to 1, Tomaris 6 to 1, 14 to 1 bar at the moment. Yep. Again, this could all change by the time people are listening to this, but where, where's your, where are your fancies here? Well, <laughs> Hydrangea, it's, it's funny with Hydrangea, she, she looks for all the world like she wants further. Um, you know, this race has run over a mile. Um, she won, I think, a mile and a half last year, off, off, off the top of my head. Mm. Um, and she started out this year over a mile, which is rather odd. She just like shapes to me like she wants at least a mile and a quarter. Um, I'd suggest Wilhelmine has got a big chance. Uh, she was really impressive when she won at Epsom. She was always going best that day. There was a good, strong fraction set by um, a horse I quite like, Lincoln Rocks. And she just breezed by her and, and won very, very easily. And... You never know if Martin Mead has the Coventry winner with advertising. He might be staring down the barrel, barrel having a nice double there. 
Um, but again, very early stage of this race, not a race I've got on my radar at the moment, but um, give, going into the race, looking at current form, probably Wilhelmina would be my choice at this stage. Maybe one to look look against the favourite, a vulnerable favourite. Yeah, exactly, because the trip, yeah. I'd I'd be looking... There probably isn't a race for Hydrangea, Mm. unfortunately. Um, You know, the mile and a half Phillies races, obviously, for older horses, and you've got the Coronation over a mile, and you've got um, the... um, uh, the the Phillies Oaks, but I don't think... Like I said, I don't think there's a mile and a half race for Phillies, um, for the older horses... So they're probably struggling for options for her. Uh, on to the Prince of Wales now, where the race has cut up and people who are on Craftsman at odds against will be rubbing their hands with the glee. Uh, there's still a little bit of five to six around with Paddy Power and Betfair, but we're, we're seeing quotes now of four to six around and I can't imagine that five to six is going to last long. Um, for the each way punters, you've got Poet's Word best price at nine to two with Labrooks, uh, Hawkbill 12 to one, Cliffs of Moa uh, 16 to one. Same price for Eminence. Um, Hydrangea still in the betting as well. Uh, Desert Encounter, 50-1. to one, Miranda, 50-1. to one, And Royal Julia, 66s. Uh, I mean, it was an easier question, this, I think, 48 hours ago when you, when you could get a bit of 11-08 and 5-4 <laughs> mm. about, about Cracksman. I mean, where do you see the value now here? Um, probably still in Cracksman, actually. Um, a lot of people probably weren't that impressed with his win at Epsom, quite rightly so. He was way odds on. He was under 30 on. He should have won perhaps... A little bit further, but as the race developed, I think you've got to give a huge amount of credit to Sylvester Susan, the ride he gave the Kirk horse that finished second, Saloon. Mm. Um, he almost poached it, he got to the Golden Highway, the favoured stand side rail. And, and given that Cracksman was probably six or seven lengths behind going across, across the path coming down Tattenham Corner, he's actually done really well to run him out. But more importantly, the time figure of the race is exceptional. It was the fastest time of the Derby two day meet, it was quicker than the Derby, it was quicker than the Oaks. Um, the sectionals were good in the back end of the race so Cracksman's really done well to win here and because you've got that kind of like a little bit of added, added knowledge and a bit, a bit of a nugget knowing that um, it, it, it probably leads me down the route of wanting to stick with him rather than oppose him in a rush if I was probably going to have a choice on the day it probably might come from the betting without market I'm, no doubt I'll dig something out that I think might have a chance of um, chasing the favourite home I, I quite like these um, bigger meetings because a lot of the firms do bet without the favourite whereas yeah. an ordinary weekday they don't you only get two or three firms in the, in the morning but when you've got a horse like Cracksman everybody across the board will be betting without the favourite so um, uh, that, that's quite an option I like to exploit but Cracksman looks the part he's you know he's won at the track he looks as though he's improving with the more racing he's having and I can't knock him really you know he was good first time up in France I thought even better last time at Epsom even though the bare results suggest he wasn't but the numbers do so, yeah, he's, he's just hard to oppose. I think he's the bank with the meeting for me and at a short price. There was also a talk last time out that he, that he knocked his head on the stools. Yeah, exactly, well, yeah, he was concussed. Was, yeah, yeah. I mean, Lewis Carriers couldn't, <laughs> couldn't uh, pick himself up from that kind no, of uh, yeah, exactly. knock to the head, but yet Cracksman managed to. So, I think, yeah, Mr. Gosden needs to hire a, um, a PR exec, the same as Liverpool's, I think, to, Absolutely, uh, yeah. to, to, to rid himself of the blame. Uh, make sure, you know, uh, throughout Asker every day, uh, we'll be putting up Andy's tips on the site and I think with Cracksman from the sounds of things we could see a, yeah, a, a little tip on the morning of maybe without the favourite but it does seem like Andy is keen on Cracksman to go forward again and win the Prince of Wales Stakes on to a handicap now and, and a, a, a race I think you, you quite like and have, a, and have an interest in in the Royal Hunt Cup um, we've got as ever an unbelievably open field it, the, the joint favourites are Lord Glitters and Afak who are 12-1 to 1. the pair we've got Kaiser Sosa at 16s 
Uh, Salt and Stall, we've seen some money for today at 16. Charger Bridge, 16. I mean, it's so open. Yeah. Um, who catches your fancy? Well, obviously, I'm doing this on the Thursday before, and we don't know the draw and what the likely field is at, the, at um, on, on the day itself. But of, of the horses that have, if you like, in the top end of the market and the ones that oh, I think have got the right credentials, I do think Afark is one of them. He's a seriously talented horse. He won at York in a good time figure. I think he was a bit unlucky last year, wasn't he, in the Britannia when he finished fifth, but he was drawn on the wrong side. Uh, went the way of bless him. I think he's another runner as well, bless him. I don't know if he's been quoted, but um, he's almost like the forgotten horse of the race. He ran in a small little, fiddly little conditions race with the Derby on repercussion at Nottingham on soft ground. Uh, but given a strongly run mile like he got last year in the in the Britannia, he was very impressive. And the Simcock horses are in good nick. Uh, Maverick off, officer won for them the other day. Yeah. Um, so I'd be, having, I'd, be, I'd be looking for a horse like bless him if he's entered up. Others to mention, uh, Zhuai Feng, who won the race last year. But it was, I don't know if you remember last year's race, it was rather an odd uh, Royal Hunt Cup because everyone wanted the, to get towards the Stansai Rail. And because of that, the whole field came over. But it meant there was a bit of a car crash effect yeah. when horses literally couldn't get a run. Horse, horses like Fastnet, Tempest, who was favourite, and several others up the Stan Rail just could not get a love for run no money. And by the time that they'd got out, the winner had skipped merrily across the horizon. I actually do think Zhuai Feng's a big player, by the way, because he had a nice prep the other day. The other one to mention as well, who ran in that race last year, was Oz de Combat. He was another one of the chief sufferers at the Stanside Rail, never got a run. Um, but he's been in good form out over in Maidan this year. He's actually been into win races, which he normally isn't renowned for. Um, he has been a bit of a serial loser. But if he's available at sort of 25, 33 to 1 of the day, I might have half a look at him. I think Charger Bridge might go down the mile and a quarter route. Um, there's a handicap over a mile and a quarter, I can't remember the name of it now. Not sure whether he he'll run over a mile. Uh, and Lord Glitters, I think he's probably hostage of fortune with the ground. Yeah, he wants soft ground, doesn't he, to be his absolute mm. best? Um, but I mean, he does run the track well, so he's got to be a, a factor of sorts. So you know, I, I, have, I haven't made my final decision yet. I haven't had a bet in the race, but I've got an idea about where I want to be. The, the the day before will tell me where the draw and where the jockeys seem to be wanting to race so that'll obviously have an effect factor but no doubt I'll end up putting up at least two each way against the field I told Andy before the podcast I was going to stay pretty quiet throughout but if you are going to make yourself a cup of tea this is the time to do it because I'm just going to point out one horse that I think is quite interesting and find out what you think about it and that is Flaming Spear for Tony Bloom we know that Tony yeah. Bloom is an owner likes to land a punt uh, Flaming Spear has been taken off Kevin Ryan and given to Dean Ivory oh, um, first run this will be his first run since October we obviously know what Dean Ivory did with Labrisa Breeze yep. for, uh, for Tony Bloom there so it could be one to wait until 5 or 10 minutes before the off and if you see the price start to go maybe jump on board I think he's a bit of an Oxo horse myself. He's obviously got one good run in him, and we saw that when he won at Newcastle on the all-weather, yeah. when he literally jumped out of the ground to come and win that mm. race. I mean, you, you couldn't spot him with two furlongs to run. I think he was the last to first third. So, and he's always been highly regarded. I think he was actually sent off favourite on his debut, wasn't he, in the um, Convivial Maiden at York. So he's always had a huge, big reputation around him. But he's Went off 8-1 to one for the green in the second time. Yeah, exactly, yeah. Um, he hasn't actually delivered the goods at the big stage yet. But as I said, with a horse of that talent, maybe another trainer just might be able to flick the switch and find the key to him and get him mentally right more than anything else. Because I think it is a mental thing. The ability yeah. is obviously there. You can't do what you did at Newcastle unless you're a very good horse, mm. and he clearly is. But it's getting him to do it and do it on a regular basis. Um, it's a bit like the England team, isn't it? They look good in the pre-World <laughs> pre, uh, Cup qualifiers, but actually doing it on the big stage is, is a different ball game. But it comes down to mental rather than, um, you know... 
um, a level of ability. Well, let's hope that people listening to this on Monday night after the England, first England match, before the first day of Ascot, will be thinking, what are they talking about? England are great. I can't believe I've got two football references already. <laughs> Well, for people who I mean, no, no one is watching, I am actually wearing an England 92 uh, shirt as we record this, so maybe that's why. There's a bit of, bit of messaging going in. Is, and I'm, why you go. I'm wearing the Gareth, Gareth Southgate um, managerial <laughs> shirt. So we've got through Wednesday now, and it's on to Thursday. Three days to go. We're trying to get through this quickly, so it's not a marathon podcast, but obviously so much to get through. But it's the Ribblesdale. Wild Illusion is the 7-2 favourite. That's best price with 8-8-8, despite being 11-4 elsewhere. Uh, Sun Maiden, again, black type, really sticking their neck out here at 9-2, despite being 3-1 generally. Uh, Lati Dar, 5-1. Magic One, 7-1. Athena, 12-1. Forever, Forever Together, 12-1. Bye Bye Baby, 12-1. 14-1 bar for the Ribblesdale. Again, we don't know how it's going to cut up, but who's, who, who are you looking at here as being a, a possible fancy, a possible bet? Yeah, I mean, you're looking towards the Oaks, really, as your normal trial, aren't you? And with Wild Illusion having run so well in it, then she, she's a worthy favourite. I mean, I presume looking by the betting that forever... Um, together. Together won't yeah. run. No, it doesn't, you know, like it, it doesn't look like, you know, you wouldn't get 12 to 1 about an Oaks winner, would you? Yeah. <laughs> that was going to be the case. <laughs> the interesting one is that Sun Maiden, who is massively impressive when it's Salisbury first time. She is a huge thing. Yeah. And I think she's been saved specifically for the, this race. It's a race that Sir Michael often does really well in with his horses that he's bringing along. He, mm. he, he tends not to have a horse for the Oaks nowadays, Sir Michael. He's, he's very much geared towards uh, middle distance races from Ascot onwards and bringing them through. It's not his, run, it's not his training methods or training idealism yeah, nowadays to, no. to have them ready so early on in the season, particularly if he... Uh, if he thinks they are going to be long-term projects. I see her as being more of a St. Ledger type. Um, I think she's actually in the... In the um, does she run under... I'm just trying to think what the, what the ownership banner she runs under now. Sun Maiden. Yeah. Uh, she runs for, um, for Abdullah, so yeah. So Yeah, exactly, yeah. yeah. So they'd probably be seeing her as, like I say, a long-term um, project um, further down the line. She won by a long margin at Salisbury. Time figure was good. It backed up the visual impression. Physique-wise, she'll look absolutely outstanding compared mm. to the rest. Um, again, it's very early to come up to a firm conclusion while I'll end up putting up on the day. But yeah, when I, when I looked at this race, she was the one that stood out. You want something arg- arguably has perhaps missed some of the bigger engagements and, and flew under the radar, but has got the potential to be a Group 1 horse and she fits that category. It's worth pointing out now that people who, who are going to have a bet on these races now, have a look on the site because you can see at the top there's a non-runner no bet line above the bookies and you can see there who is NRNB at the moment 365 Betfred and Totesport are for this race and it's interesting as well this is a race where certainly opinions are divided if you shop around you can really get some juicy prices Wild Illusion for example 15 to 8 with Black Type 7 or 2 with 888 uh, Sun Maiden is as short as 3 to 1 9 to 2 elsewhere Lati Dar 2 to 1 with 365 and 5 to 1 with Black Type so it really is a race where it pays to uh, just to do a bit of research and make sure that you're getting uh, you're maximising your potential profit and winning more. On to the Gold Cup now. Um, and this looks like a, a really interesting Gold Cup after a few years of, of maybe it not being particularly competitive in, in, in a way with Order of St George obviously dominating in the past. But, but this time Order of St George does have um, a challenger, at least in the market. Uh, Order of St George is 2-1. to one. Stradivarius is 5-2. to two. Uh, Vazirabad at 7-1. to one. Torcedor at 10-1. to one. Idaho 14, 16-1 bar. Again, similarly to uh, Lady Aurelia and Batash, this looks like a, a clash of the titans at the top of the market. Yeah, I, th- I think this is a really good Gold Cup this year. The fact that we've got stellar 
mile and a half horses that have worked their way through the ranks steadily and are bona fide stayers, i.e. two milers. To take on Order of George, I think this is really exciting. Um, I mean, he got beat last year, but it was a fantastic effort in defeat, yeah. wasn't it? Let's face it. I mean, it's a brilliant ride by um, Jamie Spencer on, on Big Orange. Nicked it from the front and... Order St George, even though he burst every, every sinew to try and get there, he couldn't make up the ground that he rather forfeited coming out at Swindley Bottom. His preparation has gone pretty much how he always does with an A-No, Brian Stayer of his nat- nature. Wins a Savile Beg, has a nice little blowout over a mile five and then yeah. comes here for the big day. I mean, things with this horse, he's, he's got the ability to finish fourth in an arc and yet stay two and a half miles well. Um, <laughs> He's a fantastic animal. He's probably always going to be under, underestimated and um, not revered as the way he should. Um, only perhaps another couple of Gold Cups will get him into that sort of category. But yeah. let's 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 you know be honest about it. He is the one to beat here. But I do think in the shape of Stradivarius, he has got a serious challenger. I think Gosden's just about got his timing with his um, horse to perfection. Um, his run at, at um, York was fantastic on the figures it was actually my fastest furlong per furlong time of the whole three day dancing meet and they were in a really good gallop that day and I thought he won with an, an amazing amount of ease um, we know he handles Royal Ascot he won the Queen's Vars mm. last year that's obviously a feather in his cap and of course he beat the older horses last year as well as the three year old in the Goodwood Cup so that's another string to his bow I don't think he'll have any problems with the two and a half mile trip one would imagine that they'll go a swinging pace here without being anything um, too uh, dramatic. Torcedor, who of course won the Cigaro, he, he's likely to make the run in. He'll be the hair to the hands. He'll be the, the big orange yeah. uh, of this year's field. Um, so well, let's see how he gets on um, trying to make all the running. But then if you chuck in the likes of Vizarabad, of course, was uh, hugely impressive when he won in Maidan. It was a fantastic bit of riding by... Christoph Sumion on a horse that has to be delivered late. He's a very much a bit of a monkey, a bit of a thinker. He wouldn't want to be winning too far. But this, these are the kind of races that Christoph Sumion um, sort of probably plays over in his mind in his sleep, yeah. um, trying to plot a, plot a way of winning. And he had a lovely prep the other day in France when he, he won, a, I think it was a mile six, two mile race, fairly comfortably. So all the big players here are coming with their A game. Torsador, Stradivarius, Vizerabad, Order of St George. There's no chinks in their armour. They're all going to have nice ground. The race is going to be run evenly. So the best horse is definitely going to win. And I think Stradivarius is the one. You can just literally p- pick him and put him in a race is wherever there, you want. And, and he's got a, a great turn of foot at the end of it. Is there not a concern that given that uh, Order of St George beat Stradivarius last October, and, and as you mentioned, Order of St George's prep couldn't have gone really more to plan? I mean, I know it's, it's two pretty easy runs. I mean, why do you think, given that they're priced so similarly, how what's changed since October? I mean, same track, obviously a different trip. I think it's more to do with the ground, actually. I think Stradivarius is a proper, like, firm mm. ground horse. Uh, I'm not saying that Order St. George won't hand the ground. Of course, he's gone on good to firm ground. But some of Order St. George's best performances have definitely been when there's been plenty of giving the ground yeah. towards the back end. I actually fancied him for the arc last year. I backed him and put him up for the arc. I was hoping that he got tons of rain. Unfortunately, it didn't. It was only good ground in the day. And albeit he ran really well, he just doesn't have that acceleration yeah, on good, ground, good to firm ground mm. like he does on soft ground. Um, and it's, it's looking like being good to firm ground. I don't think there's too many showers forecast between now and no. next Thursday. I, I think there's that. intermittent, the odd one or burst, but... You know, Sa- Sasse looks like it could, yeah. could, could rain, but except for that... It it's not, it's not going to be like last year when no. you were trying, kind of like dodging the showers and umbrellas were very much the order of the mm. day. I don't think that's going to be this year. I think, you know, look at the long-range forecast, it looks fairly settled. So 
That's why I fancy Stradivarius. Stradivarius, five to two with Labrooks, uh, Marathon Bet, Ball Sports, Black Type, Bet Stars, Bet Bright, and a few other firms as well. So if you're quick, you'll be able to get that. Friday now and uh, the Commonwealth Cup. Equilateral is certainly a horse I've heard lots of people talking up in the last uh, couple of days. And there's five to one best price alongside uh, Sioux Nation at five to one as well. Sands of Mali, eight to one. Invincible Army, eight to one. Uh, with a, has that star next to its name already on the other checker site. So I think we know who Andy's going to fancy. Uh, US Navy flag, nine to one, 16 to one. Bar, talk to us about Invincible Army. Well, before I do, I just think this is probably one of the most innovative races in the, in the whole calendar we've seen for, for many decades. I think the decision to bring this as a Group 1 race for the three-year-olds over six furlongs has really worked. They obviously had to get rid of a race, which seven furlong handicappers yeah. won't be happy about with the Sandringham. But this, this race, so far since its um, inauguration, has really worked a treat. We've seen genuine Group 1 horses win it. And I think it'll take a really top-class horse to win this race this year because I think this is the race in the meeting without a, without a shadow of a doubt. They're still betting four to one the field at time recording, but all the way down the list, we're looking at genuine Group One sprinters here that could have a really bright future. Sioux Nation's a favourite at four to one. I've got absolutely nothing wrong, um, nothing but positive things to say about him as well. Um, he was really impressive when he won last time out at Nace. Clocked a very fast speed figure. I think he had more to come as well. He, he, he was a, he's a kind of horse that kind of like travels well, has got a real spurt in him and then almost like thinks he's done enough. He's a bit like yeah. Caravaggio yeah, yeah. when he won this race. Um, and of course, you know, let's not forget he's a winner of, a, of the Windsor Castle last year, so he's got Royal Ascot form. But I have always had a soft spot for Invincible Army. Um, right from day one, this horse has always caught the eye. Um, his cruising speed in his races is, is, is one of his key components. And on more than one or two occasions, he's actually got the job done. He probably hasn't won as, as many races as he probably should have done. But a lot of those performances, when he has got beat, have been down to circumstance and probably the ground. Um, on quite a few occasions, he's had soft ground when he ran at Goodwood last year and he finished second at Van Gold. He got beat by Sansa Marley at York again. There was some ease in the ground. And even though he got beat fair and square last time out by Sansa Marley, I, I left that race at Haydock thinking that he was probably the one most inconvenienced by the way the race panned out yeah. because Sansa Marley had first run on him and he, he, he got no cover. He was always on his right-hand side and he wanted just to slot in behind and get as long uh, cover as long as possible and that didn't happen so he had to race a little bit out on the wing. His best run of the season so far on the figures was here at Ascot and Connections clearly have got this race on their mind because they wanted to run him and get a run in under his belt at Ascot because previously that he'd yet to race at the Berkshire venue and he won really well that day. He's just absolutely tailor-made for this race. He wants a strong run six furlongs. He wants good or genuine quick ground, which he hasn't had for a while. He's going to get a really strong pace to run at. You've got Sands of Marley in there. And um, there's also that horse that uh, has catapulted himself into joint favouritism. Um, Equilateral, of course, was hugely impressive at Doncaster. Two yeah. big front runners. Sands mm. of Marley definitely wants to lead. Equilateral, they both go like the hands of hell. I'm hoping Invincible Army gets drawn close to either one of those two or ideally right down the middle because then there'll be absolutely no excuses in the perfect um, scenario. I'm looking forward to this race, the, like I say, the most of the whole week and I, I can't have Invincible Army not running well. It's unbelievable if you look, you think connections have been pretty unlucky with Invincible Army. You look at the horses who've won the races that he hasn't won You've got Massar won his, yeah. won his first run. You've got Card Shop, Havana Gray, Sansa Marley twice, and James, James Garford. Yeah, I mean that is. I mean you're bumping into a few there, aren't you? <laughs> like I say, a lot of it has been unlucky circumstances where you've drawn the track, the ground, 
Let's say he, he hasn't had everything 100% right in his favour, but this is the race that absolutely sings at you. This is everything's right. You know when the horse has just got the absolute perfect profile for the race? Soon as, soon as like this race came up in, in my sort of radar early on in the year, when I went through the betting, um, I was always going to put this horse up, but I waited until he ran at Ascot before putting it out on the site that day because I thought, well... Now's the time Gotta to strike. <laughs> Now's the time to strike while everyone's looking at it. Yeah, yeah. Um, and I was pretty convinced that he would win first time, and he did. There was no mileage in putting him up six to four when we could get twenty to one for the, for this race. Yeah. Now we're looking at five, six to one, or whatever he is. Actually, um, I still think he's a good value bet, even at that price. If I hadn't back, if I hadn't backed him at twenty to one, I'd still back him at the price he is now, because I, I think I still think he's he's almost like I say, he's almost certain to run his race. So Vincent Lamy, 8-1 to one eight to one. with Betfair Sportsbook, Paddy Power, Ball Sports, Black Tie, Betbright and a few others as well. Check the site. I smell, and I know you put him up at 20-1, to one, but I smell a nap coming up on, uh, on Friday the 22nd of June there, Andy. But make sure you check the site. Check uh, Andy's Twitter page. Check our Twitter as well to make sure you get the tips as they come out. Um, you think that's going to be the race of the festival? Another cracking race on the Friday is the Coronation Stakes. Uh, at the moment, an open-looking affair. Clemmy at nine to two, Alpha Centauri five to one, Teppel eleven to two, Guineas winner um, Bilsden Brook at six to one, Windchimes eight to one, Curda bet ten to one. Again, we, we, we're kind of guessing here who's going to get there, but we can have a decent idea about who will. Who, who at the moment looks like they could be getting on these early prices? Well, I think the worst value, just quickly looking at these down the list, is Clemmy. I mean, you know, she got well beat um, on her seasonal reappearance. Yes, she might be going to be improved. And, I know Brian might have just worked the oracle with her, but as it stands, she's, she's got to improve. It all depends which guineas you believe in. Do you believe in the Irish guineas with Alpha Centauri? Do you believe in our guineas with Bills and Brook? Um, you know, I, I personally think our, our guineas was the better race. Um, Is there a concern that, that, that Bills and Brook... I mean, I know that... She won, she won a few decent races last year and is obviously very experienced. But is, is there a concern that that was a bit of a surprise? Do we look at that as being possibly a negative? Possibly, yeah. But again, that, that's, all, that's all your own personal perception, isn't yeah, it, really? I mean, I mean, she's got some really good form be- yeah, behind yeah. her going into that Absolutely. race. Um, I, I didn't think there was anything fluky about the run. It, it wasn't as if there was a track bias or everything seemed to have its chance. Um, so, yeah, I, th- I think the fly in the omens is Tepal. was always um, a very kind of... Well touted horse last year. Did win a couple of races, sent off favourite first time at Lingfield and won at Kempton in a massive speed figure. And a bloodstock agent of mine actually asked me about this horse and he said, Can you do some speed figures on this? I, I might try and buy it. And um, unfortunately, he didn't, have money, he didn't have money in the right owners to try and get hold of it. But it went to Longchamp, of course, first time out this year and managed to win that Group 1 um, uh, Phillies contest in pretty impressive fashion in the end, considering she didn't get the clearest of runs. Um, you know, she'd be apparently a decent filler because I, I, I don't know the strength of all the French horses and what, they, what he actually, she actually did achieve but you know there were some good English horses in that I mean Could It Be Love was 8th and went on to finish 2nd in the Irish 1000 so if yeah. you use her as a guide it's telling you that this Tepel's a fairly decent horse so it's gone down an unconventional route two maiden wins and then straight to group one winning it but I think she's probably got the most potential beyond the ones who have already been in the spotlight if you like and off a 230 day break reason to believe that she'll come, uh, come on again because she is tall she's very mm. very tall lanky filly um, with a lot of size and scope so again early doors but she'd be the one I'd be looking at for coronation Tepal 11 to 2 
Um, we, on to the final day, the Saturday. We've got there in the end, day five. Hard, the Hardwick is the first one we're going to cover. And many people have Crystal Ocean as their nap of the festival at two to one. Parsanti, 10 to one. Defoe, 10 to one. Capri, 10 to one. Is this a case of, of, of piling in the fab or are you going to look for some value elsewhere? Yeah, I mean, I'll always look towards the value if I can possibly eke a bit out. But, I mean, when you've got a situation like this, when you've got the obvious horse who's got everything in its favour it, it is difficult to make a clear cut case for something else at this stage I mean I'm a big fan of Defoe and I thought things didn't quite pan out for him last time out at, at the Curra, um when Horse of Aid and O'Brien's nicked it from the front mm. I think it was Lancaster Bomber if yeah. I remember rightly um, so I certainly wouldn't disclude him uh, Capri will be interesting if they decide to run him here and probably, maybe not wait for something further down the line and you've got improvers like Barsanti as well who have worked their way through the ranks but I mean, Crystal Ocean has just got everything in his favour here. Um, you know, his he's form in the St. Ledger, all the way through last year to the St. Ledger, was of the, of the highest class. He started off the by year by winning Workman like at Sandown before, then he went to Newbury the day, and I thought he won with a ton in hand. Um, a mile and a half is his trip. Um, he's proven Ascot. He was third in the King Edward last year behind Permian. Yeah. So he's got track form as well. He's got Royal Ascot form. And he's trained by Sir Michael Stout, who is an absolute genius in, in the, with these older horses and, and this is very much his race um, over the years I, I can't recall off the top of my head the, the horses who he has won it with but but he has but he, yeah, <laughs> I'd, I'd, yeah. I, I know he, did he win it did he win it for the Queen was it Dartmouth was it um, Dartmouth I think Dartmouth might have won it uh, you're probably better better off finding it than I, than yeah, I am yeah yeah I'll have a go um, but I, I'd probably I'd risk my reputation to say he's won it at least three or four times in, in recent times and it's a it's a race and a horse that kind of like just fit the glove they're just they're just dovetail perfectly here we go he won it three years on the spin telescopes no door your reputation is Dartmouth intact. thank god for that <laughs> but you go back in further Sea Moon Harbinger Marahel twice I mean it's unbelievable mm. one two three four five he's won it seven times in the last twelve in, in the last twelve years unbelievable so and, and he's got he's got the right horse for it this year so it's a boring selection I haven't given you many boring ones but this one is there's absolutely nothing wrong with a 2-1 to one winner Andy 2-1 to yeah. one he is with Betway best price he's as short as 6-4 to four elsewhere and I have a feeling that if you can get that 2-1 to one, you, should be, you should be investing now I actually think the double is Cracksman in the Prince of Wales with Crystal Ocean if you can get 5-6 to 2-1 to one, yeah. you know you're bumping your bet up to Towards the four, five to one mark there. Cracking That's back. a lovely double, yeah, that isn't it? Definitely is, and, and, and they're going to be shorter. You look probably look at four to six cracksmen on the day if, if the the bandwagon rolls, all the favourites are going in. This field cuts up, Santo goes here, there, and everywhere. You're looking at probably five to four even. I, I, I reckon Chris Ocean got off near enough even. Yeah. Than before, yeah. So yeah. that that's that's the strategy to have now as we speak. On odds checker, you click that little yellow uh, that yellow plus next to the selection, and you can add it to your bet slip, and you can find out the best bookie to have your, your multi with and that is definitely something that we are recommend you do now um, finally actually we've got a couple more to get through we'll do the Diamond Jubilee and then we'll, do, we'll, we'll finish with the Wokingham yep. um, the favourite in the Diamond Jubilee is Harry Angel a horse whose form figures at Ascot read second 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 fourth yet to get uh, his um, nose in front and his record away from Ascot is four, five from five. So maybe that's something interesting to look out there for Harry Angel at three to one. Merchant Navy, four to one. Red Cut Warrior, six to one. The Tin Man, 10 to one. Uh, and then a few others who may not race. Liberator Breeze, we mentioned earlier, 14 to one. Uh, again, looking, looking at the top end of the market, Harry Angel, Merchant Navy, Red Cut Warrior, who seems to you like the, like the likeliest winner? Well, I think it's a bit of an urban myth, isn't it, with Harry Angel with regards to him not 
winning at Ascot, but mm. you couldn't say he doesn't handle no, Ascot. No, absolutely. I mean, again, it's down to circumstances, isn't it? It all depends what, how you read your races. Yeah, yeah. I mean, he had soft ground towards the back end of last year. That's the reason he finished fourth. He should have won last year's um, Commonwealth. Mm. But I don't know if you remember the race, but Aidan O'Brien put a foot soldier in there that basically yeah, yeah. roughed Harry Angel up early on. Yeah. He did amazingly well to finish second, given the treatment he got dished out when Caravaggio came and picked him off. Um, but either side of that, he's just been spectacular. Winner of the July Cup, winner first time out this year. Of course he handles Ascot. But he just needs everything to go a little bit better than what he did last time. And now, the, the main danger looks like being another, unfortunately for him, Aidan O'Brien horse in the shabbiness Merchant Navy who's been brought over here uh, from the States. And time figure-wise, he clocked an unbelievable figure when he won first time out at the Curra. Um, sp- spread eagle in his field, she had a really good turn of foot. Um, and he looks one of these ones that is going to benefit if the pace collapses and Harry Angel does unfortunately get um, his collar felt again and roughed up again um, the Tin Man's obviously in great form as well he was good the other day at Windsor and he's got great crack course and distance credentials Labrisa Breeze would probably need the heavens to open for him to be a factor yeah. uh, for Nowhere's an interesting runner um, he's got great form at this track and Wesley Ward's bound to have him uh, cherry ripe. And he took in the likes of T- Lamato, who could easily run here instead of going up in trip, or Tazleet, who was a good third of the day behind Merchant Navy. This looks like being a stellar group one to end the week. Um, but so, yeah, I was, I was really impressed by Merchant Navy on the numbers and, and the way he did it visually at the Curra. So, again, at this stage, he, he looks the one I'd probably go for, despite Harry Angel. Me being a fully paid-up member of the <laughs> Harry Angel fan club. Well, you put me back in my box saying Harry, Harry Angel wouldn't turn up at Ascot. And as you say, you know, especially if you look at the, the, the distance that he's been beaten by and who he's been beaten by, I think that's fair to say that the urban myth is correct. Merchant Navy is 4-1 to one with Labrooks, Marathon Bets, Sun Bets and Coral. Um, and that seems to be where Andy's leaning at the moment. But a lot of, I'm sure, those prices will change a lot between now and next Saturday. We'll close on the Wokingham, um, another race where it's easy to, to try and find a, maybe a, a bigger price selection. But there is, for a race of this, of this size and, and, and its type, a pretty hot favourite in Dreamfield, who's 4-1 to one generally, but 9-2 to two with Betfair. Blue de Vega, 16-1, to one, along with Silent Echo, Gold Vibe, Gilgamesh, Growl, 20-1, to one, Undrafted, 20-1. to one. So many horses queuing up to take on Green, Green, Dreamfield, who, as I say, is a, is a fairly short price for a race like this. Yeah, in in usual years gone by, the one thing I first look at um, for a Woking winner is something with the potential to to be a group horse. If not, they're already a proven group horse. You certainly need a group horse in the ratings to even get in this race now, doesn't yeah. it? 98, 97 was the cutoff last year. So if you're rated 95 below, I think you're in trouble. Um, so the kind of d- dynamics of these big premier handicaps has changed now. The other thing I also look for as well are horses that stay beyond six. A lot of the previous winners have won this race over the years have, have got form over a furlong further because this is almost like a six furlong stamina test. Yes, you need speed as well, but you need the combination of speed and stamina because yeah. that last furlong they tend to be sort of running on their hands and knees. Um, and you have had shocks in this race recently. The likes of Dandy Boyer won it in 2012. Um, Outdo won it last year at a big prize, 25 to 1. Yes, there's been some gambles in between Baccarat and Outback Traveller, but... It's a, it's a race where all comers are accepted. Um, so I'd certainly be uh, a huge um, respecter of the favourite here, Dreamfield. It's just one of those ones where almost looks everything looks too good to be true. He, he fits your profile, though. He fits he, all he, the he things I just mentioned. In a year's time, he could, I mean, he's rated 103 now. I mean, what yeah, could he be but in, four in, to one, seriously? Yeah. I mean, you, you've got to be mad to take four to one when 
need so much he luck could in get running. The, and, he, yeah. he could get drawn one, and, and everything. Yeah. All the all the evidence suggests that the stand side's a place to be. What about if you back to Manti Post? He gets drawn one. Mm. The draw will completely kill anything. It can it, it can ruin horses that have got twenty pound in hand. Yeah, because the draw and the, and the track where you're on the track is the handicap. That is where you know. Forget the weights and measures. The handicap is where you're drawn. Um, so I couldn't possibly put him up at four to one, even though I accept that he was hugely impressive first time out. We know he's got track form as well. The one I really like here is uh, Gilgamesh, talking about horses that handle seven furlongs and have got the speed to win over six. Now George's half thought, say George, I, I have a little bit of um, interaction with George Scott every now and again, um, and we've talked about this horse extensively for about the last month. The original plan was the Hunt Cup because. We started the year off with him in the um, Spring Cup yeah. to see how he got on. He didn't handle the ground, he didn't stay the trip, so that was sure. So you think, okay, right, there's not that many options. So quickly the Wokingham then came under the radar, but they had to get him into the yeah um, the race in the first place. He was only rated 92 after an excellent run over yeah, the, yeah. over seven furlongs in the Victoria Cup mm. when he actually won his race to stand side. Yeah. So straight away you think... It, Bob's your uncle, he handles Ascot. Yeah. Now we've got to try and get him in the race. He went to York off a mark of 92. He's four pounds at handicap. He managed to win that race. So obviously, the handicapper gave him four for winning and mm. four for being four out. Yeah. So he's gone from 92 to 100, which normally would be most trainers like hitting the head on the desk, yeah. but not with this fellow because now he's in. <laughs> now he's in. Now he's in. Um, but is, is, is he still well handicapped? That's, that's the big issue. Poss- well, possibly not. You could argue that, you know, maybe, maybe he's maybe not, but. He's unexposed over six furlongs. This is the key to this horse. All his form up to now, his best form has been over seven. Um, they're going to go a million here. I mean, whatever happens, Dreamfield will try and lead it out from the front. You know, he made all the run last time out, a good gallop. There's other horses that you know, I'm sure will like to tow, tow a field along. He's the perfect ride for someone like Jamie Spencer. I think Jamie is the chosen jockey. They've looked at Ryan Moore. They've looked at William Buick. The jockeys are actually on out yet, but yeah, yeah, they're, they're trying to get Frankie yeah. as well. I think, okay. Frank, I think Frankie's booked to ride undrafted for okay. Wesley Ward. Yeah. Uh, and I think Ryan Moore's maybe used to either ride one of Sir Michael's um, uh, Dream of something, I can't remember its name now, Dream of Dreams. Uh, and, and I know that Aidan O'Brien's got a few entries as well in, in Intelligence Cross and Darling. Yeah. So unfortunately, those two aren't available. But Jamie Spencer is. Now, Jamie's ridden this horse before, and he's also ridden him over six furlongs to win. So... You could just imagine it kind of strong pace, Gilgamesh sitting there at the back, Jamie bringing him through. Um, Jamie if Spencer can, special. Yeah, it could be uh, Jamie Spencer special. When they go right, they're great. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, <laughs> uh, I haven't put him up yet because I'm I'm desperate to go with him. You know, he's probably going to be my choice on the day. So I'm giving you a bit of a heads up to the odds checker um, podcasters here. Uh, so if you want to take a chance, that's fine. But I'm personally going to prepare to wait for the day because. The draw is going to be so significant. At the end of the week, we'll, we'll know which side you want to be on. The jockeys will know. So you can back into 16-1 to 1 now and he gets drawn the wrong side. He, he might as well be 50s. Yeah, yeah, of course. Whereas I'm, I'd rather take 10 or 12 on the day knowing he's drawn where the pace is yeah. and, and have more on. Mm. Um, so that's my, my thought process. So for those that want to back Gilgamesh, fine. He's fitting well. He's working well. He's definitely going to be my choice. Um, but I'm going to sit tight and wait to the day and hope somebody out there will give us a generous price on the day. Andy, the absolute tease, giving you a sniff of a bet, but then telling you not to back it until, until, the, uh, until the day. So we'll see if people uh, uh, listen to that or not. I'm sure 
we'll be able to tell by the colour of the odds on the odds checker site. If that's suddenly a sea of blue tomorrow, I think we'll know that people didn't heed your advice and wait <laughs> to see the draw. Um, anything else you want to mention, or are we we're through the week now? Somehow? Yeah, one of my one of my favourite races of the week is the um, Britannia Handicap. Now John Gosling's got a really good record in it, uh, and there's a horse called Argentello. Um, who won at Yarmouth the other day. They dropped him back to a straight mile. They've been running him over a mile and a quarter. He was second to Nordic Lights in a novice race at, at York. Then they ran him at Chester over a mile and a quarter and he didn't get the clearest to runs, finished third that day. He's been a bit of a bookie's benefit, to be fair. Yeah. But, like I said, they took him to Yarmouth the other day, straight mile. And I think John Gosling was half thinking, right, I'm going to get this horse handicapped. He's, he's going to be a handicapper, not a stakes horse. And I was really impressed by the way he went through that race. Because it was a straight mile. He travelled, he quickened. And he won with ton in hand. He only won by a length, but the handicapper, I don't think, could probably beat him up for that. Yeah. I'd be amazed if I don't see his name down as an entry in the Britannia stakes. Interesting. Because uh, Gosden's got a good record in the, in, the, in the Britannia. It's the kind of horse that he has done well with in the past. Uh, so I'll be looking towards him. And... Only put up two pounds for that win. Went off 84 at Yarmouth and, and has now got a rating of 86. Yeah, so. so hopefully that might be good enough to get in. Because yeah. that, that, that race, the, the Britannia, you can probably have a slightly lower rate, rating and get yeah, in. Yeah. Um, but yeah, he, he'd, he'd be one I'd be seriously looking towards um, during the week. So one to look out for there. That's Argentello for John Gosden in the Britannia States. So much to get through there. Make sure you listen to it again, I reckon, with a pen and paper so you can write down all of Andy's tips. As I mentioned, Andy's tips will be coming up on site throughout the week uh, at Ascot. He'll have loads and loads for us. They had a cracking Cheltenham, and I'm sure we can look forward to a, a similarly epic Ascot as well. Thanks very much for joining us today, Andy. Yeah, it's been a pleasure, and hopefully we can, let's, let's say, dine out on at least a diet of one winner a day. That should get us through the week, OK? One winner a day. I'm sure we'll get a couple more than that. Cheers, Andy, and thanks, guys, for listening. Make sure you subscribe to us. Uh, on iTunes or leave us a review um, we're going to keep doing these podcasts as much as possible around all major events hopefully we'll be back uh, for Goodwood and we'll also have another World Cup uh, podcast coming up during the week as well thanks a lot for listening 